foot enthusiasts, minimal footwear lovers, or anyone trying to fix your own feet, I'm heading to North Carolina this May to lead a live, in-person, three-day retreat all about feet. I'm going to be at the Art of Living Retreat Center, which is up in the mountains of North Carolina. It's so beautiful there. And are you ready to hear what I'm calling it? The retreat is called Healing Your Soul, a stepwise approach to building forever functional feet. That's so good, right? If you want to learn all about how to take care of the muscles, bones, joints, fascia, and nerves of the feet, and learn how strong feet and ankles relate to sustainable hips and knees, this event is for you. In addition to the classroom and movement time with me, you're on retreat. So there's delicious meals, a nature-rich campus that you can explore on foot, and plenty of time for rest and relaxation, all included. A retreat is a perfect way to care for yourself in the moment, but also in the future. You are coming to learn a massive toolkit of information. So whether you're a competitive runner, a dynamic ager, or a healthcare practitioner, this is a weekend full of movement for you and your feet. And like I said, you're gonna leave with a toolkit and a big swag bag that you can use to train your feet for life. For more information about the movement sessions, the food, the center, head to my website, nutritiousmovement.com slash retreat. That's nutritiousmovement.com slash retreat. This is Katie B, and you are about to listen to an early episode of my podcast. Now the show is called The Move Your DNA Podcast, and you can find all episode transcripts and the show notes to this episode at nutritiousmovement.com slash podcast. Enjoy. You're listening to Katie Says, the podcast that helps you become aligned and well. Join us for conversations with Katie Bowman, biomechanist, creator and director of the Restorative Exercise Institute, author, teacher, blogger, mother, and total body nerd. Understand the mechanical causes of modern ailments, learn how to fix them, and restore yourself to a more functional state of natural human movement. We hope you find the general information on biomechanics, movement, and alignment informative and helpful, but it is not intended to replace medical advice and shouldn't be used as such. And now, your host, Danny Hammett. Hi there, it's Danny, and I'm here with Katie again. Today we are talking about treadmills. Lots and lots of treadmill questions. How's it going this morning, Katie? It is good. I am not standing on a treadmill. <laughs> I am not on a treadmill either. Weird. So yeah. that's a great way to start this show. This July, you had an article. Well, you didn't have an article, but you were quoted in an article in the Chicago Tribune yes. about treadmill desks. It was kind of about treadmills, but most specifically, it was about treadmill desks. And you mentioned before in our conversations that one of the things you're known kind of professionally for is your stance on kegels being the be-all, end-all of pelvic floor health and how that has kind of, well, you haven't said it set you apart, but it definitely has set you apart. And I kind of have a feeling that your stance on treadmills is going to do the same thing. Stance on treadmills is kind of funny. It is. Okay. It's punny. It's punny. It's funny. <laughs> it is punny. You're a but punny yeah. person. But yeah. it, I mean, you are the first and only person that I've ever read or heard say, hey, this isn't such a great thing for your body. 
And yeah, or or also or saying more like um, there's a longer pro and con list than you may realize. Right. Can you tell me is there any difference between walking on my treadmill and walking outside on the ground? Yeah, there is a evidence what heavily researched difference. You know, which that article that you're talking about in the Chicago Tribune was by um, James Fell. If anyone wants to read it, they can just search Chicago Tribune James Fell treadmills, Katie Bowman, and you'll get to read it. But yeah, there, there is a difference. There is a difference measurably. So, so that's, that's my biggest point with treadmills is when you have something that's recommended like walking, right? Everyone's told you, we've in fact probably told you that you need to walk more, right? Right. And now that's all the buzz. The, the statement yeah. of walking is the superfood of the fitness world, yeah. that, that just keeps popping up. Um, that Reuters article just, it went crazy. So went everywhere. it's part of the conversation now, which is very cool. The, that Reuters article, as they say, had legs. That's huh. what my uh, the woman who does um, some of my PR outreach is like, I just wanted to type that. No, that's <laughs> this good. This piece has legs. The walking piece has legs. But yeah, so when though we say walking, is something that you should be doing, you just kind of figure, well, walking is what? My arms and my legs moving at my shoulders and hips and me moving over the ground and and that's walking. But walking is really a category of of things that aren't necessarily the same. And so if you're a longtime follower or reader, then you know that the nitpicky stuff that we get into is what's, how does what you choose to do with your body transfer down to the cellular level, to the adaptation, to that motion. So if walking over ground is not the same thing as walking on a treadmill, then what do we need to be concerned about? Or what should we add to our list before deciding, should I hop in my treadmill that's right here in my living room? Or should I go outside? Should I drive to the gym to be on the treadmill? Or should I plan my day around a a hike? So that's really, although it might make me unpopular as a whole, is really just trying to get people to, to have a more thorough assessment before they choose what they're doing. And that's good. I wouldn't worry about being unpopular. I'm not. No. But, but I meant... Um, no, I know. It's, it's, it is going to, for some people, just that, well, what do you mean? Just that questioning right. of the treadmill. That's, that's a big deal. So Right. And a lot of those questions are like, but, but what if I can't? Like, if it's the only thing to do, should I do it? And it's like, yeah, if it's the only thing that you can do, do it. But... Is it really the only thing you can do? Would be my follow-up question. Which is a great question. I, I get that a lot. I get the, the, that's the only thing I can do because I live in a really extreme weather place. And I'm sure you hear that argument a lot with people as well. It's icky outside. Yeah. Yeah. And I fully understand not wanting to go outside when it's icky outside. What is the actual, I mean, if there is a difference, can you just kind of give us a little bit of what is yeah. the difference? Yeah, and it's different says. And so, you know, when you're when you're researching something, you're you can really only isolate one difference at a time or you're you you're comparing them for similarities and so the list of differences depends only on what you're measuring. In the case of the research on overground walking versus treadmill walking, the reason people have even put money towards that research such as that has been traditionally for the purpose of figuring out is a treadmill a good therapy tool. So treadmills, you know, when you're doing research on movement, 
you're usually using cameras, right? You're using cameras or you're, you're, you're hooked up to some machine. So it becomes very impractical to do research on walking or running, which there's a lot of because it's something that, you know, we all do or should do if the person is actually moving away from the research lab as you're trying to collect data. Yeah, it's kind of hard to carry a feedback machine with you. Right, right, right. If you're hooked up to an EMG, it's like, okay, you know. It's messing my gate up. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, So the research, so there's all this research on walking and running that's happened in a lab, but then there are always other research studies going on to look at. So when we're looking at running or walking on a treadmill, how how applicable are those to the actual scenarios to make sure that conclusions that we make about walking or running on a treadmill are, are not very, not as, or not, what is the, how are they skewed? I guess, trying to quantify. So then there's all this separate research going on going, what's the actual difference? Because mathematically or speaking physics wise, there's a difference between the two. Figuring out how the mathematical model correlates to the actual biological goings on is something that they're trying to quantify. So they'll do studies like hook four or five muscles up to an EMG machine and then have you walk on the treadmill and run on the treadmill to see how what what's a different muscles that are active during those two things. Um, again, it becomes a little bit more challenging to do that kind of stuff when you're comparing overground versus um, treadmill because, again, the person is moving away from you. So any study that really strives to look at, um, what's the best way to say it? The small stuff, the, the invisible goings-on is difficult to do because what measures the invisible goings-on usually requires some distance from the machine, which is impossible to do since the machine is connected usually to the sensor doing the reading. So so the studies are limited to um, stride, like how many strides per minute, something that you can, you know, you can film someone on a track or that that would be um, gross, meaning large enough for you to quantify. Okay. Um, so, so I you can't really get the minutia between the two. Right. Minutia is such a good word. Yes, the minutia, and that's what I talked about in Move Your DNA, which is like the things that I'm really talking about are the are the minutia. That all being said, in just the big old gross tread, treadmill versus overground walking stuff, they know that the angles of hip flexion are different, that there's more hip flexion in walking on a treadmill than overground walking, which means that there's less hip extension in treadmill walking versus over ground walking. They can look at the number of strides per minute that you're taking shorter steps because, and and also that people's natural pacing that they would walk is affected by the treadmill. Meaning that if you're going to walk a certain distance, there would be a cadence. There would be a number of steps and a pacing of those steps that would occur if I said, hey, Danny, I want you to go walk one mile. And I'm going to quantify the way that you walk one mile in those types of ways that I was talking about. How many steps and how fast are you taking the steps? Your stride, you know, essentially. But if I put you on a treadmill and say you're going to go one mile, the treadmill itself is the environment now. So on the overground, you and your mind are setting a rhythm or a pace. You know, it's your, your rhythm. On a treadmill, it's the treadmill's rhythm. So you, your body is forced to adapt to the treadmill so that they know that those there's those differences as well, as well as just like the mechanical differences in what muscles and what joints are being deformed and performing the work. There's also this 
rhythm of walking that differs between the two. And you can go slower or faster depending on if you, you know, slower speed the treadmill up. But that even in those cases, the way that you would naturally speed or slow up is different than what's being created by when you're on the treadmill. So there's those which I find interesting because of the trickle down effect of the way you use your body is the way your muscles you know, and uh-huh. adapt. And then therefore the way your joints are stabilized and the bones are held in place at rest. So it's like, okay, well, a lot of people, as I mentioned in the article, like a lot of people are going and currently seeking therapy for things like not enough hip extension, too much hip flexion. So, and I would just, can you just clarify for those um, that may not know f- the, the flexion and extension of a hip? Yeah, so like if you if you stand up and you lift one leg out in front of you, that's flexion of that hip. And if you reach the leg back behind you, that's extension of the hip. So Thank flexion you. is closer to sitting in a chair and extension is um, not sitting in a chair. Excellent. <laughs> Ice skating, roller skating, you know, pushing your leg behind you. Cool. Okay, carry on. Thank you. Um, 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 I don't know what I was saying, but so, go ahead. Do you know what I was saying? Yeah, you were talking about the amount of hip flexion and extension when you're moving over... The treadmill versus that that setting your own pace of... Yeah, and going to physical, you know, like that... Yeah, the therapy usage. Yeah, yeah. That like that's a problem for a lot of people that they have gait patterns that include this flexion and then they've got the weaknesses, you know, in different muscles because they don't have very much glued activity and they go to, you know, the therapist and are trying to craft the motor program for extension, yet they will partake a particular exercise treadmill in this case in which the way that they're trying not to walk is the only option available them to them to walk so that's kind of why you know the blogs that I write and the content that I write is usually directed towards a particular person asking a question so a lot of the treadmill use stuff comes up in people who have so as issues who have diastasis recti who have pelvic floor issues. And I'm saying, hey, while treadmill and overground walking, you know, quote, looks the same as far as metabolic output, you know, we can say that they're the same fitness or endurance makers. They are not the same musculoskeletal result makers. And because of these very particular ways that the treadmill requires you to walk, those go hand in hand with the muscle weaknesses that go hand in hand with the issues that you are having. So, I think that it's great that you're walking three or five or whatever miles a day, but walking is not walking is not walking, which means if you're consuming, you're walking in a way that is exacerbating or not supporting one issue of your health while contributing to other issues of your health, then maybe you would want to make a different choice. If not, whatever. But if so, like a lot of people are like, I had no idea. I was just told to walk. No one told me that it was different. And I was like, I'm that person. I'm that person to explain the difference. You are the person who gets to make the choice. So that's that's structural. But here's something else that was really interesting too. What I find most interesting about, maybe not most interesting, what I find interesting about treadmill walking is it's very similar to the effect that is now more heavily researched with um, virtual reality, right? Virtual reality, remember those 90s movies where everyone had the thing on their head and was walking down a hall and... Yeah. Opening drawers, like sci-fi movies. Sure. I love that. So the thing with virtual reality, what they realize is the person, according to the data going into their eyes, is moving. 
So you're walking down a hall, there's, fi- there's feedback going past your eyes. Your mind knows that you're playing a game, but your brain doesn't. To your brain, there's data streaming past your eyes. And it becomes very confusing to be standing still and having data go past your eyes because usually all they of go your, hand in hand. Well, they're reconciled, right? Yeah. You're, you're the way being a sensory input object, which you essentially are, you have systems that are reconciling the sensations that you're creating yourself so that you understand what's external to you. So I could do a whole talk on just that. But, you know, like if you're a, a sensory input box and you're just sitting still, then you know that anything that happens to you, you did yourself. But once that box is moving, just moving is going to create input, right? So like if you have wind going past you, is it windy outside or is it windy because you moved relative to the air? So you have this really great system that is measure that is monitoring external input and internal input to reconcile, to become aware of what is happening outside of you and what is happening inside of you to better assess your environment. So virtual reality plays with that system because now there is moving input that you're not moving. And so it just starts to kind of mess with the body a little bit. And it's kind of the same of driving, right? Like, or flaunt, like you're sitting still, things are going past your eyes. It's kind of like it goes, they, they understand that it has something to do with the, um, motion sickness phenomenon that arises, some sort of mismatch, you know, and I don't really know. I don't think anyone knows about it more than that, but it's, I'm kind of, I'm still something's, it's weird. It's weird for the body. So so is that the, when you talk about you refer to optic flow, is that, okay, I would love in another show to talk about that because that is also, I think, very interesting. Well, I'm talking about it right now. Um, Well, okay. Well, Uh, that that was my, that was my lead up to optic flow. Okay, well let's Which let's is, dive into it because it does get short shrift then on on treadmill walking. Well that's so this is the second component which is so that's how how all that works. So now you're on a treadmill and your arms and legs are moving but nothing's going past your eyes. So it's another mismatch of going well I just created all of this movement and I went nowhere. So it's again it's a it's problematic because your brain has to make an adjustment to what you are doing on the treadmill, meaning the brain has to kind of, it has to let that monitoring go, so to speak, or it has to make a conclusion about what you're doing. So when everyone gets off the treadmill, then all of a sudden they have those 20 seconds, you know, of feeling like you're walking really weird. Well, and some people get like dizzy. They get kind of, kind of motion sick and dizzy when they do that. Right. And that's, so that's the phenomenon was researched, starting to begin to be researched in, in the 90s when um, virtual reality was much more prevalent. But now they're doing all those same tests on treadmills and they're finding that as you use treadmills longer, as you are older on treadmills, that the period of time when you get off of the treadmill and when you be, go back to what you, how you feel normal before you go on the treadmill, it becomes longer and longer. So you're playing with your mind, wow, your brain, like it's, it's changing your brain, like it's affecting your brain. So for those reasons alone, I wouldn't put treadmills into the healthy category. That's why I put them kind of in the junk food category, which isn't to say that they don't have lots of benefits in certain ways. It's just that it's not a whole body, whole making, health making 
thing. So that's that's all I really mean by, you know, know, know the full picture. That's good. And I'm going to uh, link to that that blog post that's still out there, right? The the junk food walking. Yeah. And the tr- I'm gonna, we'll do that in the podcast and oh, try cool. and link to the Chicago Tribune article, too. Mm-hmm. Did you this reminds me of um, I, I read your article a couple months ago and then I just reread it the other day. And um, and then something came up when I was researching about this and the um, Chinese in one or two of their cities have been experimenting with texting lanes for pedestrians so that people may be walking from point A to point B, you know, wherever they're going in their business or lives, but they don't have to look up. Um, they're specific. Tech, they're experimenting with these texting lanes. It's, it's kind of like the same thing. Their brain's seeing one thing while their body is in the forward moving uh, walking. motion. You're, you're yeah. thinking walking. Okay, I thought they're walking. Minute, you're talking about driving lanes oh, no. or texting lanes. I was like, Thank wow, God. that is progressive. Thank God not yet. That is so not progressive. <laughs> yeah. You have to look where you're going when you're in a car. Yeah, I thought that was really kind of the same. They're they're still getting that short shrift on that, that optic flow. Maybe they're getting air moving past them because they are outside walking and noises and and stuff like that. But they're still, their brains aren't taking in all the stuff they need to take in. Yeah, well, that's um, interesting. It is kind of weird, isn't it? There's a whole bunch of different kind of treadmills out on the market. There's kind that are curved. There's kind that you power yourself. Like I remember my grandparents had one that you didn't plug in. They just, it just had rollers. Right. Um, Do you remember those? And and you just, you, you rolled on them. Is... Is there a difference between using one of those and the electric one? Yeah, well, I mean, a like mechanically. Yeah, I mean, if a treadmill is not a treadmill, is not a treadmill. So specifically, the treadmills that are used in the literature that I have read, which I believe is almost, I think I've read everything published comparing the two, is always your motorized treadmill where. Where the belt, the movement of the belt going backward is coming from the treadmill. So the self-powered ones, of course, would be different because if you are moving the belt with the way you're walking, then those would be more in line with walking over ground. There would still be a stillness issue, but as far as the the musculoskeletal firing and needing to catch up to the belt, which is what you do on a motorized one, those would not be happening. So if you were stuck inside all winter like you might be in montana are you inside all winter do you get to go I, outside ever? i go outside in 20 20 below weather just because walking has become my it's my multivitamin it's what i need so so but i'm okay, not so, not everybody does that so just say no. um i'm stuck inside okay so you're stuck inside maybe after you've taken your walk and you're like i want to walk some more but i'm slightly frostbitten so getting a not like a self-powered treadmill would be a way to make the treadmill category a bit more nutritious because you get to push back on it, right? Which is what's missing right. from the other one. So there's be more hip extension. Yeah, it would be more like natural overground walking. I should mention I have three dogs too, so I don't think they would dig that. They they want to go out. I'm stuck. I'm stuck outside. I think that's great. There's yeah. you know, I, it's interesting though. This is real. I just that your dog that that people understand that their dogs need to go out all weather, but not their kids. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, my dogs get all pent up. And it's like in our house, like if people haven't been outside for more than two hours, it's pandemonium. It's like dog fights, chomping up the bit. <laughs> there's drooling. There's some, you know, foam at the mouth. And then, but, is there any peeing on the floor? Oh, there's so much peeing on the floor in this house. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but everyone's oh. potty trained now. So it's, it's, rare, it's more rare. But yeah, yeah, there's a there's 
It's, it's a potty central around here. No, everybody needs to go outside if you become accustomed to it. It just feels good. Have you ever seen anybody walking backward, like in a gym or whatever? Yeah. So I almost, I, I have been working on a blog post about that and remind me to put it on my blog post list because I've been thinking about it for a couple of years. Because, you know, when we talk about hip extension and how good, it, how good it is for the butt and the sacral balancing, which in turn translates down to the pelvic floor function while walking, is going, yes, you know, so I was given this corrective exercise by whomever to walk backward on a treadmill. So walking backward on a treadmill, yes, if you're if everyone stands and goes, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a step backward now, there, there is that element of hip extension, right? Which we talked about is lifting one leg back behind you. So you're you are lifting one leg back behind you and coming down. So in that way, there is hip extension. However, it's not the same load. So loads are what is more important than joint action. So if you're looking at someone who is walking over ground and that looks real similar to me as when they're on the treadmill and they're lifting their leg behind them, the difference though between the two is your hip muscles as you're walking over ground are holding the weight of the body as they push back, which mean, means the load that they have to create is equal to the weight of the rest of the body minus that leg moving that forward, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Okay, so, so if you imagine that the work being done by those muscles is equal to moving the weight of your body forward and then you compare it to when you're on a treadmill, what you're lifting behind you is just the weight of the leg. In, so it's unloaded. So while the joint action is the same, the adaptation result is very different because in one case, you're lifting the weight of that leg. And in the other case, you're lifting or moving the weight of all of your body minus the leg. Okay. In that line of loads versus joint action, what about incline? If, if it were yeah. an incline, is that, and there's, this is actually a two-part question. If somebody has osteoarthritis in their knee, does it help take that load off the knee if it's on an incline? Yeah. So walking is not walking is not walking. Treadmills are not treadmills are not treadmills. I'm going to get that on a shirt for you, by the yes, way. Yes. Yes. And then walking on one treadmill is not walking on that treadmill is not walking on that treadmill is not walking on that treadmill because it all depends on what the incline is doing. So the incline, incline in general. So for the flat dwellers, the flatlanders, which are pretty much all of us, right? The level landers, those who consume almost all level walking. Well, you've, you've got all of these other muscles that should have been taking you up and down hills your entire life. So over time, what we experience because we are shod, we've worn shoes, we've sat down the bulk of our lives and we've walked on flat and level the bulk of our lives is our legs are essentially, they're, they're collapsing inward. The thighs are collapsing inward, which turns the lower leg outward. So that is our, our to reference an old podcast or movie or DNA, that's our floppy fin. It is the result of, that's a bony structure result of the way we have and have not used our muscles over our lifetime. So walking on level ground, especially on a treadmill, causes quite a bit of medial, which is the inside of the knee, loading. And so medial knee loading and osteoarthritis of the knee are correlated, meaning that that medial, lead, medial knee loads, that medial moment, which is a certain 
lever system that happens when your foot is planted, but your knee kind of goes in. So like if you were to take a step up, if you have steps, if you walk up the steps and you look down and you see that your foot is going straight forward, but your knee is inside of that, then that distance is, it's a little bit more complicated. But in general, you can think of the more your knee is inside of your foot when you go up or when you're walking forward, the greater medial moment you have. It's a length. And the more medial moment you have, the more risk you have of knee osteoarthritis. So just like I've been telling everyone, you cannot consume flat and level that by going up and downhill over a lifetime, your muscles would be more robust just to keep that medial moment at bay that your knee would always be tracking in the way that it should to not cause medial knee problems. And a medial knee problem would be like a medial meniscus tear or an ACL, anterior cruciate ligament tear. Those are your most common medial knee issues. Is if you go uphill, you just have to add hills up and down. And it helps if you therapeutically understand how to correct yourself and the exercises to make that more feasible. So what they've noticed in, in treadmill work is that people trying to stabilize or repair ACL, like post-medial knee issues, pre-osteoarthritis, or maybe you already have osteoarthritis, or maybe you had a knee replacement, that walking on a treadmill on an incline is better at keeping this medial moment at bay because it uses more muscle. So when you use more muscle, then the bony position of your body changes because your, your bones only go where your muscles do or do not take them. So adding some incline to your flat, I mean, I'm sorry, adding incline to your diet, whether it be your overground diet or your treadmill diet, is helpful because it's essentially a nutrient that you're missing. So if you're stuck inside and you're on a treadmill, then if you can do the self-powered one, that's great. But even if you don't have a self-powered one and you're like, look, if I go outside, I made a brown sugar and it's raining and I will melt. <laughs> go on your treadmills, please. I don't want to be responsible for you know half of your face lighting off. <laughs> but but then crank that tre- crank that incline up and you do not have to go fast and you shouldn't be holding on to your treadmill if you're holding on to it there's a whole there I'm not sure if was that a pirate uh, yeah a pirate and you're like a month late that? on that it was international talk like a pirate day last month so Arr. we'll we'll um, get you up on that next year but wow I don't know where that came out of but uh, <laughs> Um, You're, yeah. it was, it was pirate passion. Yeah. There. So Arr, like, it's just so excited. Like <laughs> that, that's a way that you just have to look at going, how am I walking right now? Am I, am I only concerned with my cardiovascular rate where I want to like slam? I can hear myself pound, pound. I'm holding on to the bar because the incline is so high that I tumble backwards. Cause I don't have the strength to deal with this incline. It's like slow that puppy down. Think of it as going hiking. If you're going to use a treadmill, treadmills are great. How can I stress more that my job here is to tell you how things work and not what to do? And that there's always a situation in which something is great. And there's always a situation in which something is not great. So you just figure it out and you look at your experiences. But that all being said, if you if I was, you know, stuck on a desert island and I was in a box and I couldn't go anywhere and all there was was a treadmill, you'd be damn sure I'd be using it. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And then I was going to call you a pirate name, but I couldn't think of one quick. I know. Swashbuckler, (laughs) swashbuckler, hook, right? Yeah. It's the hook. So yeah. So I think that incline, if I were going to use it every day, I would use my treadmill to supplement my overground walking. So this hip extension phase that we're talking about that's nutritious really comes 
with more level, meaning that like that hip extension isn't as pronounced as you go uphill. So you would be more nutritiously on board if you used a treadmill to supplement hills if you don't have any. And it should be, you should be like, I'm going to pretend like I'm going hiking right now. So just slow and steady swinging your arms. Slow, steady, not holding on, not doing it for cardio. Like how fast can I get out of this? You know, just, just, just kind of using it in the most natural sense. It doesn't take care of the optic flow. And if you have balance or um, issues that are already in that realm, that neurology, then I would say that that would not be a good thing for you. Like you have to look at where you are in every sense of the word and then figure out how you're going to consume your movement. So that's an excellent advice and excellent way to look at it. that, That if you have to, you know, it's a great supplement. Yeah. I mean, if you have to, you have to, but I always follow up is like, Check how much you have to before you go with the Well, then I have to. Great. I feel vindicated or whatever, or um, not vindicated. What's it called when you take your ticket in? Validated. Validated. That's, my word recall is like horrible. Um, but yeah, like I, I want you, you should always feel validated, but it's that, that really looking at your life and going, okay, so I know that there's going to be these holes in my nutrition. Is there any way, if it can't be in winter, then maybe that treadmill doesn't come on at all when the weather is good and that you don't get in the habit of always using a treadmill just because 10% of the time you have no other option. You know, evaluate every day. That's sound advice. I just have a quick question about that hip extension and that, that being stuck inside. What about the old, remember the Nordatrack ski machines that everybody bought in the 80s and 90s and then they all end up in garage sales? Like I see one in a garage sale every week and they're self-powered mm-hmm. and you're pushing back. Well, you know what I mean? The, the motion, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of hip extension and not as much flexion because your your feet are anchored onto those little straps of wood. Those strips yeah, it's, of wood. Cr- it's a cross-country skiing machine. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I couldn't remember. See, my recall's no better. See, we're like, we should just get a third person on here. Maybe Arr, we, need, we need somebody to swab the deck and remind us of our words here. You know, okay. parrots all, validations, yeah. <laughs> Vindication's the wrong word choice. <laughs> ah! You're a verbal moron. <laughs> <laughs> Is that, do you have the same take on that with those? Yeah. I mean, I love cross out of all the sports i would say that cross country skiing is my favorite thing um there is a lot there's actually a lot of hip flexion oh. in cross country skiing right because the ski's got to get in front of you and it's weighted so it's actually more hip flexion greater loads of hip flexion in cross country skiing than there is in walking because you're you are pulling not just the weight of the leg but the weight plus the ski that being said you do this kind of push down, push the ski down to the ground and you, and you slide it, you know, friction free forward. So it's, it's not a natural movement per se. However, you know, if you're living in this world and you, it's enjoyment matters too, you know, and you like cross country skiing as I do. What's so great about it is it has this really big component of hip extension, meaning that there's a lot of, there's a lot of nutrients that you're missing that can come about. So if if it's super, can you cross country ski where you live? Could you go out your door and go cross country skiing for miles? Uh, Well, yeah, it depends on the snow, but yeah, we could. Oh my God. Can I come and visit? Like I, it's my dream not to live where you could do that, but to visit someone one time where I could do that because I wouldn't want to deal with all that snow. Anytime. Yes. Just make sure your vocabulary is in order and and you can come anytime. Oh, then I will never be there. I will (laughs) never be there. Thanks a lot. Ah, that's okay. We'll let you slide. Okay. 
Yeah. So, um, so those machines, you know, are a great way, again, if you're stuck inside, yeah. Can you pick it up at a garage sale for 25 bucks? I, well, I actually just did because I figure there were a oh. couple of 30 degree, 30 below days when the dogs couldn't go out or their faces would freeze off. And there was no amount of bundling that we could get outside and walk. But I just wanted to, mm-hmm. I still wanted to stretch my hips and move. I mean, I just, you, you kind of get in that rhythm of walking. And so I, I did pick one up for actually 30 bucks at a garage sale and thought, huh, I wonder, but I haven't used it yet. Yeah, it's fun and it's a lot harder. Um, they have what? Does yours have hands handles to pull, or is it? Yeah, all... the rope, the rope yeah, handles yeah, that yeah. you kind of can pull back and come forwards. Just curious about that. I don't fun. know how many people even have those left. I think everybody in the world has sold it at a garage sale. It's like fruit so. cakes. All the fruit cakes that are existence now have always been. They just get just recycled. keep getting passed around, and some smell like cat pee, and some don't. The Nordic tracks, the Nordic not, tracks the, not the fruit, fruit cakes, cakes. <laughs> not the fruit cakes. Wow, that's there's so much to talk about I with know. treadmills. This was a great show. Let's do it again sometime. All right, let's see where we go. And I'm sorry I forgot to remind everybody to take that eye break. That's always so so helpful. So you can just do one right now. Look out far away. Look out the back door. Look out the window. And I'm putting my arms way over my head while I'm doing it. Oh, like making snow angels, but in the air. Ooh, double bonus. I hope you have an awesome day. Thank you so much for talking. um, I've already had an awesome day. You are awesome, but this was good. And I love this conversation. So I'd like to continue it sometime. All right. All right. Have a good day. And I will talk to you later. Aye, aye, Captain. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit Katie Bowman's edutaining blog, katiesays.com. For books, online classes, downloads, and continuing educational courses with Katie, visit the Restorative Exercise Institute at restorativeexercise.com. Her most anticipated book, Move Your DNA, will be available in September 2014. You can learn more about Danny Hemmett at moveyourbodybetter.com and dannyhemmett.com.